How are we doing, guys, boys and girls? Welcome to the Endless Sales Podcast on a Monday night. We have the two Anthony's, myself and the good man, Anthony Dudon. He's on that side. And we will have Franny uh, joining us as soon as he can get his uh, Wi-Fi from down in England, Shire, back up and running. Almost thought I had the worst issues when I lived in Shetland. Anthony, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm very good, mate. It's always good to, uh, you know, been looking forward to it all day. It's always better coming on after a win and... Uh, and a you know much improved second half performance, but I all good mate. As I say, I know what uh, we just thought kind of best just to make sure nobody's waiting too too long for us tonight. But uh, yep, Franny will be joining us soon. He's just a uh, typical tradesman, always late. But uh, yeah, we're just um, I think he's just sorting his his Wi-Fi. I think he's having some issue at the hotel that he's at, but I'm sure he'll be with us uh, just shortly. I will indeed. He was on earlier with us. Uh, haven't we talked just pre? launch of the podcast he's just having some technical difficulties just now as you say there tony anthony i don't know what way to call you it sounds even weirder coming out manly because it's my own name um we'll go with it um it's a much better feeling just now so hopefully we get some positive chats tonight there'll still be some negatives i know what i'm like um, <laughs> but it's a lot better as you say coming on the back of a, a win and a good performance on the second half before we go further, though, I'm going to bring up the Super 6. We'll get this out of the way so far. Um, how the positions are stacked, I cannot tell from week to week, apart from the little plus and minus ones down there near the bottom. But up the top, we've got Mark Robert on 341. Stephen Cothard, I guess that is. Alistair Jack, Joe Finley, Kieran Gahuli, Ryan Taylor, Kevin Hampsey on 312 goals up against yourself, Anthony, at 309 in 8th place. James Bowie is ninth, and I can only assume cut off at the bottom there is our own Francis, um, if he does show up, which, lo and behold, there he is, Franny. There he's there. there. No, and he's nope. away again. Look at and that. He's away. I'll tell you what we'll do, guys. Though. While we'll let Franny catch up with a broadband, it hits Wi-Fi's, 5Gs and all the rest of it, here's what's coming up today on today's podcast.
you have it, boys and girls. That's what's coming up on tonight's game. And as we said at the start, it feels so much better, Anthony, doesn't it, coming on uh, on the back of a win? So, uh, absolutely does, mate. And, you know, as time was ticking away last night, you, you know, as much as, you know, people are, obviously feel like, oh, it's maybe been the same again, you know, another late win. But I do think this was sort of night and day from from Easter Road, shall we say, because I think Easter Road, the, the, the sort of collective kind of thought was we've absolutely got away with one there. We've obviously, was no denying it was a penalty kick that night, but without doubt it was, um, you know, you, you felt like, we've, you know, it's been a, a very lucky escape. Whereas yesterday, of course, first half was a complete video nasty compared to, you know, kind of unfortunately quite similar to what we've seen a bit of recently. But second half, I just felt was was night and day. Getting that ball in quicker, um, across either the low crosses for the wingers or the ball in from from Taylor as well. Everyone just seemed to be doing going that little bit faster, and um, absolutely got the rewards in the end. Uh, three three one one in the end, but um, it's definitely one far more positive result than, uh, or certainly felt more positive than even what some of the, the results have been recently. No, definitely, Anthony. Definitely, as you say, it's, uh, it was the game of two halves. Really, the the game itself for me started and instantly I had that grinding negative attitude to watching the game from kickoff. Even it was passing the ball back the way. As soon as we we were talking the first 10, 15 seconds, but once the ball got into the Motherwell half and we looked like we we're going to attack, the ball went out for a throw-in. We went down the other side of the wing. We tried it again, and the ball went out for another throw-in. It was like. You can see how this day's going to go. It was, it just felt like more of the same in the first half. From those very first few seconds, it, it just didn't seem quite good. Um, going through the game though, um, first half itself. Let's just kind of run through it a little bit. There was not a lot to be said from a Celtic point of view, apart from the the negative sides. I noticed obviously was his name Theo Bear. He had the offside goal. Um, mm-hmm. The counter attack and the strength and run on him. He absolutely left uh, likes the scales left him, left him for nothing. And he did it a few times in the first half, which was really telling. Um, the fact that the goal was offside kind of let us off the hook a little bit. The constant passing of the ball sideways between scales and of Rocky and even into Taylor and Alice Johnson, the whole backline just seemed devoid of any ideas to me of how to move the ball forward creatively. Um, then you had the issue of was it Maid on the left and um, Mangos Kun on the right, and it was it was like people who can't pass from the back trying to pass it wide to two players who fundamentally can't control the ball, and it was just constant. This was the first half, and see by the time the goal goes in and um, we get to half time, I was done, Anthony. I was absolutely done with that. Um, that's built up from frustration, though, of, as you say, the, the kill Kilmarnock game earlier on, uh, the Hibs game where we, we kind of snuck the win late on and just the general season overall. It just it really had me at the point at halftime of just wanting to chuck it, and I was not looking forward to this podcast at all at that point. Um, yourself, did you did you feel that mood inside you? Did you feel that same way as I was feeling, kind of build up, thinking that more the same, this is not changing, we are not turning this corner? Yeah, but it definitely felt that way for a while. Like you say, we, we just weren't at the races at all in, in, in the first half. And like you say, Motherwell were getting a lot of joy over the top. And 
Not even just that. I've got to give you know the, the likes of Blair Spittle and, and 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 Miller as well. You know they were having they they were getting a lot of joy as well. And you could, there's no doubt that they're they're a talented young side. Um, you know Stuart Kettlewell's building something decent there, but it was just the fact that we we kind of hoped that if we'd have started the game the way we played in the second half, I think we would have been you know been in at half time a lot happier. But it just felt. Felt like the same old story what we've had for the, the last wee while, that kind of malaise setting in. And thankfully, you know, it, it didn't come to anything, but it, it just, um, but yeah, a very, a very poor first half, Anthony, and, and you summed it up well. It just seemed, I mean, I think Brendan used the term connecting the game. It was just what one one part of the team couldn't find the other with a couple of simple passes. And even, you know, there was a lot of simple passes getting made that were being overran, um, couldn't definitely made a couple of them, you know, a simple pass into Callum McGregor and he, he somehow overhit it from about three, four yards. And it's it's just those little bits of play that are, are so frustrating. Um, the one kind of real good bit of football, you would argue, would uh, was be the, the pass from Callum um, into the box for, for Kyogo to run onto. That was like the kind of you know, old school kind of Kyogo um, kind of movement. And... Um, you know, fair play. The goalkeeper made a made, made a good save. Um, he's at Liam Kelly. But apart from that, we never really threatened at all. And Motherwell had absolutely the better of the chances. Obviously, like you say, they had the ball in the net, um, early doors, um, and then scored. Have to give credit to him. Fantastic finish right on half time, as well. So, yeah, long winded way answering your question, Anthony. I definitely at half time you were thinking, this is. This is going to take a hell of a lot to turn this round, and just have to we have to say, thankfully we did. Aye, definitely, thankfully we did. Um, let's talk about the goal, the actual goal that's uh, counted for Motherwell in itself. Defensively, I found we were all over the place. Um, it was down our left side, their right side, and the guy gets away. Was it skills he gets away from first, and then he. The next player kind of does a twirl and dances around McGregor and just leaves him like high and dry. And you don't expect that from you know a defender who's played the entirety of this season and your captain to be, for lack of better terms, looking like mugs um in the way that they kind of got, got schooled there. The shot itself, once it passes through to the the young lad on the edge of the, the edge of the D, was it he gets the ball right footed shot beyond Joe Hart. On a better day, maybe Hart catches that ball, gets a, a hand to it and tips it around the, the, the post, but that's that's been a bit too nitpicking, a bit too harsh on Hart. He was at pretty much full stretch. You can't really be, be too thoughtful on him. But the goal and the strike itself from a Motherwell point of view, I thought was was quite a good goal from their point. Defensively from ours, though, absolutely atrocious. And again, that just reiterated that feeling to me, especially going into halftime, that this is not going to be our day. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt that way. And obviously the guys on Friday night were discussing that and saying, you know, it could be a long day at the office. And at that point, absolutely, that's exactly how it felt it was going to be. And, um, but yeah, defensive. I mean, I suppose, like you say, the attacking team that get the goal will say, great finish. The team that concedes will always moan about what we did or didn't do. Um, but yeah, I think that's fair. We just didn't deal with it at all. Um, and like you say, it's not often that you see Calmack getting getting skint like that, but I mean, he definitely was. Um, obviously, down the left hand side as well. But um, 
got to give, um, I think, is it, is it Miller that, that actually done the spin and, the, and then laid it off for Blair Spill? Once he does the little, you know, three, the Anthony 360 turn, and um, <laughs> you know, the only difference being it was actually effectual, uh, effective, sorry. Um, but what, once he's done that, you know, a lot of young players would just kind of, you know, have a, you know, just take a wild shot at it and, you know, the, the rush of blood to the head. But no, it, it, it lovely kind of um, past the blur spittle. All the pace on it, he, didn't, he just had to direct it. And I think that's probably why I can't, I don't blame too much, uh, put a portion too much blame to Joe because I think there's there's so much, um, the, the pace is just the right amount that all he has to do is kind of guide it. And if he gets it right, then it's it's always going to have a good chance of reaching the, the back of the net. So, but yeah, you could say our, our centre half should be closer to him um, as well. But I'm probably in a, in a mid where I'm, you know, because of the end result, I'm happy to give a bit more credit. So, yeah. Credit to Motherwell for for their finish. No, I, I can appreciate that. I get the same kind of sentiment. It's it's easier to talk about it with a smile on your face and congratulate them on it. What was a, a very good goal? The the turn uh, from the young lad and the shot itself. It it was a a good goal from their perspective. But you know we need to be realistic about ourselves. At that point in our season, that's a disaster. That is mm-hmm. absolutely shocking. Um, we go into the halftime, though. Uh, let's not dwell on it too much because we want to keep it this positive. But we go into the halftime and we see that we've made a, a halftime substitution, which was not quite too surprising that we may have done that. But maybe what was surprising that Kyle came off for Adam Eder. What was your thinking there? Yeah, well, at, at the start, I mean, I, I'd um, when the halftime um, was going on, I was doing the usual, you know, well, apart from, you know, muttering. Um, a few obscenities in the kitchen. I was also making myself a cup of tea for the, the second half. So I ended up uh, missing the point when it when it came on. And so when I'd heard the point that basically oh, it's, it's maybe been for a, a knock, I did think, oh, thanks very much, Plunge. Um, hope you're enjoying. I'm trying to do one every week, but we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, but when, when Kyogo... And went off. I thought, oh, maybe it's been from the knock to his shoulder, and that's definitely what the commentary team seemed to think. But then at full time, when you know more, more on Brendan's post-match interview later, but um, it, it did seem to be that it was more a tactical switch. And obviously, at the time, you think oh, this is, you know, this this is going to be a a huge gamble, absolute huge gamble. Oh, are we making a dramatic substitution here, Anthony? We are, we are. We oh, are. Big We've Brother is Franny. in the building. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not talking. They lost Franny and in comes our beloved Stephen. How are you doing, Stephen? Uh, absolutely. That, this is a Kyogo for Ida uh, swap here or, or, or vice versa. <laughs> absolutely. Good, 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 good to have you on, mate. Yeah. I um, think that's because of Mary's, is it, Anthony? Uh, uh, that's <laughs> it, exactly. <laughs> but no, it, you were absolutely bang on, Anthony, just to finish there. It's, it was a huge... There's, there is an argument to say, and of course, this this, this narrative has been building for a while, and I, I have tried to my best to you know keep you know where, where possible to, to push back against it. But I think you know where we have went on and lost that game yesterday. We'll, we'll go worst case scenario if we if we'd have lost it, you know five behind with Ibrox women and with the, the mood as it was in, in the stands at the minute, it's probably not 
over or, you know over-egging the pudding to suggest that maybe Brendan did have 45 minutes to save the season, save his save his skin essentially. So it was a huge, huge gamble taking off, you know, guy who's been a talisman for the last um, couple of years. And um, but it's a gamble that absolutely paid off. And I think Adamida deserves a, a lot of credit. And obviously we're going to discuss him more in depth uh, later. But I thought it was absolutely sensational when he came on. Not just the goal, the goal, sorry, but um, his overall play. It just it was like let's just say he looked quality. He did. He, he definitely did. Uh, before we delve into the second half too much, Stephen, how are you doing? I'll be doing fine. I was actually just having a wee cup of tea and ready to watch you guys, and then Franny was having some difficulty, so I just said to him, do you want me to jump on? It's just unfortunate. I know he was looking forward to coming on, discussing the game of the weekend, but obviously crap hotel Wi-Fi and his 5G wasn't working, so here I am. I'm the Ida. He's the Kyogo, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Always a pleasure to share a screen with you, my friend. You too, my man. It seems like we're never on the gallery again, but sure. I know, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's very much like the old days, eh? um, the wrestling, you know. I think we're, we're Monday Night Raw, you're Friday Night Smackdown now a lot. So, you know, what can you do? But hopefully I, we might anyway, end up see, together on a double pivot soon. Exactly. I was actually watching um, McGinty, and your cup has some interesting words down it. Is that a wrestling cup? No. I thought that was the shield. No, the so shield. Just well, well, look at it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's a, a mug that I got when I, I left Shetland from working at the airport. Um, ah, right, okay. In the, uh, I can't remember whatever alphabet they call that. Phonetic. Phonetic. But yeah, doing good. Looking forward to discussing the game and that and getting stuck in, as always. So give us, Stephen, we've only just rounded off the first half and the fact that we made a substitution at half time. Give us your feeling on the first half itself. How did you feel about the game as a whole, getting to the half time, being one nil down? Hamfley's laughing at me already. Um I think for me that the first half was probably the worst we played all season. Um first of all the Motherwell uh, pitch was actually pathetic. They usually have a good surface. It was borderline Celtic Park to be fair on Bobbly surface and I think the ball wasn't keeping on the ground very well. But again, that's no excuse for professional footballers. I just thought it was a team that didn't look together. And again, that's a stark contrast to the second half. Obviously, words at halftime and a few substitutions changed that. But it was so disjointed. It was so lackluster. We were passive. We weren't aggressive. And I felt like for me, every time Motherwell strung a few passes together, they looked like they were going to cause us issues. And they were caught, like your, your man, Theo Burr, for example, he was at St. Johnson last season. I think he scored one goal. But look, again, this is me doing SPFL watch. Every time I seen him, I always liked the look of him. He was a, a, a big target man. He was quick. He was pacey. And I think on Motherwell, he's in double figures this season already, which is just testament to him and also the style that they play there to suit him. I thought he caused us a lot of issues. The wee lad, Veal, I think it was Jack Veal, he was lightning in behind and we were kind of struggling to deal with that. I know we had all the possession and all the stats. It looks pretty and all that type of stuff, but the clear-cut chances were on Motherwell's side. That They could have had two or three goals in the first half and a couple of good saves from Joe Hart. And I just thought, that, I mean, the t- said about Kyogo, he wasn't really offering much, but again, then <laughs> Brendan alludes to it, his game is the running behind, but it seems like we've took that away from him. We've took the, the state of play to get him into games away, and no wonder he looks nullified. Obviously, a low block plays into that, but I think Celtic can be quicker with the ball to create gaps and create spaces for him. 
And I just thought the first half was just, and I heard you saying, McKinty, before, come on, you were just done. You weren't looking forward to the day at all, the, the podcast. And that's how I felt. And there was a lot of calls at halftime. Now, I don't really go on my phone during a football match because of obvious reasons. I'll just react off the cuff and start mayhem. So I'll just stay away from it. And I went on Twitter later that, later that night when I had some free time. And I've seen all the posts from different individuals saying about the halftime performance. Roger should walk. Roger should go. All that type of stuff. And again, it's emotion. But then you fast forward that 45 minutes. It's jubilation. It's celebration. And we're saying the fight's still on for the title. So look, it was the, the, the definition of the game of two halves. But Celtic need to produce a 90-minute performance like that. We can't go through the season laboring in the first or second half and kind of just passing their way through games or just being slow, being non-energetic, no enthusiasm. And then the next half, we're the, the totally different opposite side to that. We need to produce a consistent performance and then hopefully league results start coming more frequently and more better results too in terms of goals scored and over behind a goal difference at the minute. So again, with the way this title race is going, we need to be on top and stop conceding goals and also score more. Uh, 100% definitely. And as you see, that first half, things were slow, passes weren't connecting properly. But once we get into the second half, there's a bit of a change up with Ida coming on, of course. But it looks like the team plays differently from the first half at least. And if anything, I think that second half performance could have really suited Kyogo. Um, even taking, let's just look at his first goal. It was a, a ball from Scales, funnily enough, passing it forward to Taylor, who gets in an early cross. Lofty cross, cross comes in and Adamida doesn't need to jump too much. He gets the head on it and he puts it in the back of the net. It was a good bit of play, a good bit of, Let's just pass forward. Let's just make the first touch, make the first cross. There's no dallying on the ball, no waiting to see who's making runs in. It was just go through the motion, do the action, just get there, and you know that your your counterpart's going to be in the right place to, to be on the end of the ball. Anthony, back to you, said, what did you think about the goal, especially when you think about how we play with scales in the back line, passing the ball sideways a lot. All of a sudden, it was changed to forward passes very early on in that second half. Yeah, but like you say, it, it was great just to see that change straight away. And um, what what I loved about it was it, it reminded, although obviously it was a a, a, a volley from from O'Reilly in that you know ninety plus seventh minute winner when we played them there back in the autumn, it was that similar thing with with, um, with Taylor where it was like he picked it up, one quick look, ball in. There was no sort of overthinking it or trying to, you know, be too clever with it. It was just get the ball in and, you know, we'll see see what happens. And, you know, that's two brilliant assists that he's picked up at third part this season that have um, proved, you know, to be really effective. But the the goal itself, brilliant movement uh, from Ida as well. Um, you know, I was messaging um, my big brother and my big sister going, you know, obviously with the big man on the commentary, I'm going, that big Sutton himself would have been proud of that. And it was, it was just... That getting that wee bit bravery, getting in front of the defender, and you know there was enough pace on the cross that he was able to direct it. But it was still, you know, brilliant header to get it into the, the far corner as well. And you know, Liam Kelly been having a, you know, he's had a decent game after that as well. But he had no chance for that finish. So um, yeah, that's that's what he brings. I think it's probably what we hoped that O would be able to bring us a bit more um, frequently off. But either just at the moment seems to have a bit more between the teeth and a, a bit more of a presence about him. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Full credit to him. Uh, great finish. And it, it kind of kicked us on a bit. It kind of got, kinda got the, the adrenaline going again a little bit. And generally, after that, I felt that 
we absolutely controlled the game. And um, obviously when the, the wingers changed as well, it was a, about getting the getting the ball across quicker. Um, but in terms of that moment itself, absolutely terrific for Adam Eda and, and Greg Taylor. Definitely. I think he, he deserved that goal as well to kind of take the pressure off him because he scored the penalties previously. This is his goals now coming in-game, creating something different and uh, spurring the, the side on to, to play a lot better. And it wasn't just Adam Eder who done it all himself. So I think the whole team got a lift, didn't it, Stephen? You, you start looking at um, guys like Alistair Johnson, he loses the face mask. All of a sudden, he starts inventing a lot bit more, and he's playing a lot more one-two passes on the right. As Anthony mentions, we, we changed the wingers up. You get Yang on the right, who looked a lot more lively. Stephen, overall, between the first goal with the equaliser, and just before we get to the second goal, how did you see the shape-up of the second half? Did you feel we were building into something? We had no choice but to build into something. We needed to come out strong in that second half and, and react to the situation that we put ourselves in. And by the way, that Mullerwell goal was a fantastic goal. I think your wee man, and I heard you, Anthony, were speaking about it, Lennon Miller. I think he looks a fantastic midfield player and he play, played that ball to Spittle. First time finish and Joe Hart had no chance. And I thought their midfield was very effective, especially in the first half. And most of them are young boys too, so it's a credit to them and also the Mullerwell Youth Academy for producing them type of players. But... In regards to us, Jed Thomas in the comments said about Yang coming on. I thought he made a massive difference. He was so direct. He was so trying to take on his man. He wasn't hiding from the ball. And look, Nicholas Kuhn, I don't know what's going on, but we've paid over €3 million, Euro, if we're led to believe, to Rapa Vienna. Rapa Vienna also took near €4 million Euro off his for uh, Bolongoli. They must be laughing. Do you know what I mean? It's, they've robbed us so far. Look, I don't want to write off Kuhn, but at the moment, he doesn't look... He doesn't look like he's gonna he's gonna make the great at Celtic and Al Anthony dropped out, but he's back in there. Now I'm in the top screen here. Don't know how that happens, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, this the, the difference with the second half was we were more direct. We were cutting out the the needless four or five touches before we got rid of the ball. You made a good point. The centre back got it into Taylor, and it's, he just looks up first time ball into the box. And when you've got someone like Alameda in there, six foot plus, bit of a unit, and he's gonna get on the end of things. And look, football. It's, it's a game complicated by idiots, isn't it? That's the famous phrase. It's simple in its way. Like it's it's you play the game, you, you play to win. And I thought Greg Taylor done a fantastic assist in Alameda to be fair to him. A great header does getting that on target past Liam Kelly. And I find it find it quite interesting as well. We you look back at Rogers first time, like it was the ballet towards the end, it was Edward, the likes of Griffiths. <laughs> exactly. The likes of Griffiths got phased out. The, the kind of pacey striker, smaller in stature. And I don't think Rogers is too keen. I don't know if this is a trend. I know, I know at Leicester he had Vardy, but Vardy in, in itself was a, a bona fide superstar for Leicester City. And I know Kyogo is that for us, but you, you, you understand what I'm trying to say here. And towards the end, he started playing Ian Acho for that physical presence before he left the job at Leicester City. So I don't know if he prefers that physical type striker who can hold the ball up and bring others into play because he's waxed lyrical about Alameda since he's come in. We've all been a bit dismissive, not saying everyone this podcast has, but me certainly and some of the Celtic supporters that I see writing on Twitter and, and other podcasts that I do watch are a, a, a dismissive because it's the third choice Norrie City striker. And, we, and I think we all have to be comfortable in the idea that he wasn't high up in our recruitment list. I think this was just a scramble to see who was available towards the latter end of the, the transfer window. And so far he scored four goals and he's he's won us like four points or something like that. 
in, in games against Hibs and, and at the weekend there he won as the game in, at Fair Park against Motherwell. So yeah, it's just an interesting kind of trend that I'm seeing because we love Kyogo, but does Rogers love Kyogo like we do? Does does Rogers love Kyogo like Pasta Coglu did? I don't think that relationship's quite there. And I think Kyogo looks a bit frustrated every time he's on that pitch. He's making runs, no one's finding him. And you can understand why your head will go down after that. And it's one of these things. Sometimes you just have to make that change and see see where it goes. And at the minute, I would have to say it's Adam Eda's shirt to lose. Do you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. he, he's the one who's come in. He's the one who's he stood up and been counted, scored the penalties and, and a cracking header as well. So, look, again, I want to reiterate, I love Kyogo, but I don't think Rogers has that same affinity with him. No, I can see where you're going with that. I see what you're saying. He's, he's definitely fits into the, the system that Brendan Rodgers tries to play a lot better than Kyogo does. But for me, the the change in how we actually played, the, the tempo, the intensity, the forward passing that we were doing the second half compared to the first half and most of the season, that wasn't just because the striker changed. That was everybody else doing their jobs properly. Mm-hmm. So why are they not doing it when Kyogo's on? I'm not saying that that change was the catalyst, not at all. Something else was probably said in the dressing room, no doubt. But whatever was said in the dressing room, regardless of the striker, the players need to play like that every minute of every game from here on out going forward, not just for this season, but forevermore as far as I'm concerned. Because all the, the backwards, sideways, slow, lethargic passing, building up, people people standing still. Um, it was uh, Charlie McGrew on Sky kind of said this, he feels it's the opposite, that players are trying to move too much and nobody's in a position where they should be because they're trying too hard. I think he's being a bit too nice to them at times. But they need to get on board with playing the way that they need to play to to suit the team as well, overall because the balls that were coming in in the second half yesterday, some of them were fantastic for Adam Eder as he gets his goal. Some of them were laid out on a plate for Maeda, as we saw where Alistair Johnson at one point gets to the byline and he almost cuts it across the face of the goal across the six-yard box. And Maeda, I think three times in total, definitely twice. Uh, one time in the first half, he tries to go in with a header when it's about knee-high. God knows why. Um, another one, he comes in and he, he just needs to turn it in and he's so unlucky not to. And I think the third one, he's a bit further out and he takes it on the, the half volley and he just goes... It kind of belts straight across the the ground and kind of rises slightly and goes out anyway. None of which were bad moments or bad shots. Anything is just unlucky. But see if guys like Dyes and Maeda can get into those positions now, and especially in the second half. So can Kyle go. So why aren't we doing it more often? And I'm not again not going to say Maeda or Kyle was the catalyst for that change. But why are we not doing that more often? Because that second half performance for me, guys, was a breath of fresh air. For this whole season, this was this was football the way we should have been seeing football all season. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree with you, mate. And I think that's I think if you to probably ask Brendan and you, you know, you know, away for away for the cameras, that's probably the, the way we played second half is how he wants the the team to play. And the amount of times, like you know, especially the last few weeks. You know, I know people are saying, oh, you know, it isn't the same way that that, that Ange plays, and of, of course it's not. It is different, but there's elements of it that are similar in terms of he he is wanting the ball played quicker to what the the team have been doing on the park as well. The amount of times I've seen him, as I say, I'm 
very fortunate. I'm really close to the, the Celtic dugout where I sit. And the amount of times you can see and hear him going, especially last week against Kilmarnock, he was going off his head at how at some of these, is the kind of passing that Stephen um, alluded to there, the, the four or five, you know, none of them forward, it's all sideways or, or, or back. He was he was going absolutely crazy um, at certain at certain points. So I think maybe the pennies just finally dropping with these guys. And like you say, I think Yang Yang seems more confident at taking players on, which is a good mm. thing. Um, and Maeda, for all for all his faults, um, and there are many. Let's 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 no um, beat about the bush. But he's he's good at being able to, you know, he's got the pace to get behind a man. So the amount of times, you know, I know he missed a lot of good chances yesterday, but like you say, Anthony, the fact that he was getting into those positions in the first place suggested he was at least doing something right. And I think that's probably, if you ask the manager, that's how I want, I want if, you know, if Ida's on, I want Taylor flinging those balls into the box at the earliest possible opportunity, or regardless whether it's Ida or Kyogo, I want my wingers to get the ball and get those crosses in because even if the first attempt doesn't work, the fact that if you can get a cross in the box and the defenders don't like defending against, you know, who knows who it can fall to. The, the amount of times, um, you know, in the last couple of years where maybe the first cross hasn't worked, but the ball's ended up bouncing. I mean, that's how half Abad has scored half of his goals. Just, you know, just being in the right place at the right time to get a rebound or, or something like that. And it just it puts defense when defenses don't know what's coming next. That's always plays to our strengths. And like we say, it wasn't. It was by no means the full, full blown, you know, traditional Celtic that we're that we're used to yesterday. But it was definitely, it was definitely more of what we want to see. And I think um, you know, watching sports scene last night, Michael Stewart summed it up um, perfectly for me. It was a, it was a great phrase. You know, that the second half was. What he could he would deem it as a, a recovery in its infancy, and I would totally agree with it. But it's important that we build on that. You know, we can't have that great forty-five minutes, second forty-five minutes against Motherwell, and then go back to what we've been seeing for the last few weeks. You want them to start that way, and if you generally start that way at Celtic Park, more often than not, you're going to have a pretty comfortable evening. You would do indeed, and as a Kind of turned out coming to the uh, the injury time minutes, we get the second and the third goal quite quickly. Um, so let's talk about them both together quite quickly to get uh, some sort of parallel to how how that happened. As we say, we the cross is coming from Taylor and even from Alice Johnson. The second goal comes from a Alice Johnson starting to invert a little bit more. He comes into the middle. He eventually gets down to the the byline. I'm trying to read at the same time to memorize half the the, the tips here. Um, but it's the short passes that are starting to happen and he gets across into Ida who instinctively just turns it in. Now that goal there for me could have been Kyogo, could have been Dyson Maeda, could have been Jackamakis for, for all we know. That doesn't matter who the striker is. For me, that was a nice little bit of play and it was reminiscent of us playing attacking football on the front foot and actually being confident and knowing, again, like I said earlier, knowing where your, your counterparts are going to be, knowing that other people are waiting for your your shot to come in and anybody would turn that into the, the, the back of net if they're incompetent and Adam Ida is and he gets his goal. Stephen, for yourself, how did you feel about the second goal there? 
I mean, one of the most amazing things, well, amazing things of that game anyway, was the second and third goal would have we, if you go back to Postacoglu, it's high Celtic crossed the ball, low, low driven balls into the box. It was either Kyogo making that first run across the defender, he was getting it in, or if it went past him, it was made of following up, and at, at this time it was Palma. But I thought the the the, the movement from, from Ida, Ida was was brilliant. I keep going between Ida and Ida. I keep getting, getting mixed up all the time. But um, I, I think that his confidence is obviously sky high. He looks like he's ready to, to take that mantelpiece of that number nine, the cliche term, and, and go forward. I thought... Alistair Johnson was pivotal, obviously, in both them and goals as well. He came on the game and he took off that mask. I don't think anyone wears a mask quite like McGregor did at that time, Captain Sorrow, as he was for us back then. But um, yeah, it, it was quite reminiscent. And I, I like what um, Anthony said about it's how Rogers would want his teams to play. That fast, the the, the athleticism, the, the pace, the, the movement, the forward running, the, the first touch passing instead of Liam Scales and and whoever it was taking four or five touches out of the ball and kind of killing the movement. So, yeah, the the, the, the overall finish for Ida was, was brilliant. And I like seeing them type of goals because at the end of the day, we need – yes, he's a physical presence, but he can also play with his feet. And it's good to see the variation of the crosses as well because Kyogo, if we're going to bring him into the game, we need to be doing that more often. Low low cross balls into the box, let him make them runs that he's so used to make, making, instead of him coming deep and nullifying his game. And I get the whole argument, play him in the 10 and link up, and he's not as effective there. He just isn't. The, the, the wee man needs to be in the box. He needs to be there scoring the goals like he has been for the last two and a half years. And I fully believe he'll, he will recapture that form. But yeah, it was good to see that second goal go in. And I just thought again to kind of go back to it, getting across the defender, making that run, and that kind of waiting on the ball come to you, which I thought in the first half is what most of the fucking players were doing. They were waiting the ball coming to them as they weren't kind of forcing the issue and Adam Eda definitely did. Definitely, I'm saying. And Anthony, same with the third goal. Uh, I think it echoes what Stephen was saying there as well. It was fast moving. The ball was getting played forward and the cross even from the right side to the left side. It was all started from Palma actually on the left side who passes the ball quickly into Matt O'Reilly who doesn't delay on the ball too long and gets out to the right, well, the edge of the 18-yard box on the right side to Yang, who does a first-touch cross again, kind of almost a weak curve on it, but across the face of the goal, and it's just straight in instinctively to Palmer, who's continued that run from the left side, and again, turns it into the back of the net, takes a shot off, happily takes the book and for his message on his T-shirt, which I'm all fine with. But again, it's reminiscent of Probably, as you say, the way Rogers wants his team to play, but definitely for us, the way we're used to seeing the last two years with Ange, where everybody's moving forward in a unison and the balls are getting spread across the pitch and across the face of the goal where anything can happen. I mean, even if Palmer didn't get in the end of that or if he hit the post or hit the goalkeeper, it's fallen to Adam Ida or back to Yang again, who knocks it back in anyway. How do you think we're the third goal? Oh, it, was, it was another great bit of playing. What I loved about it is the fact as well is I know we were, they were kind of joking about it because obviously there's six minutes added on and we scored in the, the fourth minute. But so that naturally, obviously, with the, the celebrations and whatever, you know, Chris Sutton was kind of half joking about the fact that, it was, well, the game's not over yet. We know we know what, you know, we've been, this isn't our first rodeo with Celtic this season. We, you know, getting what we think's a late winner and then getting pulled back again. But... And, you know, I, I jokingly put it in the group chat yesterday um, when it went in. It was just, you know, we never stop. That's that's the way it should be. It's, you know, let's, let's go get another one. You, you know, it's that kind of, 
ruthlessness um, that seemed to return to the side yesterday. And yeah, absolutely, it's just it, it, it doesn't need to be slow or laboured. Like you say, Palmer, O'Reilly, O'Reilly, Yang, Yang, Palmer, goal. That you know, that's it. Just when Celtic play that kind of one touch, um, kind of fast-paced football, you know, there's not no not a team, not a defence in this league that can 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 live with it. Um, and that's what it was just great seeing again. And but I have to just and just for the second goal as well, because um, again, I know I put it in the group chat um, last night. Absolutely terrific! That that finish is not an easy finish to take for for Adam either. Um, and the way that he's just controlled it, as I say, doesn't he take a touch or anything, and he's just taking it away for the for the Motherwell keeper. It was an absolutely tremendous goal. And um, yeah, uh, like, like I say, he is absolutely. I, I, I think whilst he's perhaps not been, you know, this you know this big huge presence um, straight away, but. He's came off the bench. Well, he started um, Easter Road, but and, and came off the bench yesterday. He's came up trumps with two, you know, two double goals and and and, and two massive away fixtures. For me, I think Steam could be right. The shirt, the shirt might be his to, um, you know, the, he might be the the one to start on Wednesday night. I think as well, what? like that if being no mistake, sorry McGinley, being no mistake, if this was under Pasta Caldo, it would be we never stop. And that would be the mantra that would be getting portrayed out. I think again it's just that you look back in the previous games and the issues and not seeing the game through, conceding sloppy goals and, and all the kind of tactical issues within that and, and the boardroom and the transfer windows all mixed into one. You lose sight of that. I mean, look, we're two points behind the title race, but this could be a pivotal moment. And I'm not going to get carried away and say we're going to carry this form on or we're going to carry this into the next two or three games. I'm yet to believe that myself here has that much confidence that we're going to do that. But it was nice to see the fruits of the labour kind of come through in that second half. And you can kind of see a, a tactical identity and how Rodgers wants the team to play. And I want to see that and I carried on in the next couple of games to see if we can continue that and, as I said, score more goals. I think it, it's easy to forget that even under Posta Caldery, we had tight games. Dingwall, Abada got a last-minute goal against that Dundee United at Celtic Park. There was games we played crap in, but again, it was married with success. We were winning trophies and, and things like that. We didn't kind of give away any point lead, and now we're behind two points, a 10-point swing. So yeah, there's frustration there, but also I think people have to keep in their minds this could be a, a turning point, and again, it would be the we-never-stop mantra if it was under the, the previous regime. That definitely would be, and I have to echo and side with you all. If we if we take that performance from the second half and continue it now into Wednesday and throughout into the season, I think it is our what what we say earlier on the kind of Neil Lennon three three Kelly game kind of moment where maybe Anthony was forty five minutes away from the from getting yep. his book handed to him sort of thing. Not realistically, but you know it, it felt like that moment. So. Overall, I think that second half was a, a great performance. As you say, Stephen, uh, our never stop moment, we never stop moment. And hopefully we continue that mantra through it. Uh, one guy, as we as said quite a lot tonight so far, who might help carry us through that is Adam Eder. So let's talk about him just a little bit more out with the game itself. The Adam Eder, um, what would you pay for him, guys? Um, keep in mind he doesn't have, I know, I know, Keep in mind, he doesn't have a buy option. Um, so we can't turn around and say, oh, it'll be worth the five or six million pound that we've got as an option to buy. Norwich hold all the cards here. 
if he bangs in the goals as he has been doing so far, he could end up easily with double figures. Would you sign him if he hits 10? And how many how many goals does it take for you to want to sign him? And how much money would you spend on him? Keep in mind, for me, is he going to take for, over from Gilgo and all that other stuff? For me, McGinley, th- this conversation is premature. And I, th- I think, premature, sorry, premature, what? Premature. And I think, I mean, we, we were having this discussion a few weeks back about Bernardo. He scored three goals in four games. He had two assists within that time period. And people were saying, pay the money, get him in, get him in now. He's going to be a baller, but he's kind of dropped off the face of the earth and he's coming in again as a bit part player. Adamita is doing a good job job at affecting games, affecting outcomes at the minute, right? That's that's fantastic. But the fact that we have no option to buy tells me that we have no real plan for him for the future. I think if we really wanted him, we would kind of get that deal done where we have the option to, to buy it at a certain fee, but we don't have that. And at the end of the day, he was a third-rate striker at Norwich City, so I think they would have easily agreed to that if we come up with a four to five million fee and kind of if he hit 10 goals or 12 goals, that would be fantastic. I, yes, and I know it's waxing article like Rogers has been about Alameda, but he hasn't done enough to tell me that he's going to be the, our number nine for years to come, if, if, if that makes sense. Yes, he scored a header and he scored a great goal with his um, right foot coming across the defender and the two penalty kicks under pressure. That's well and good, but at the minute, I wouldn't sign him. I, I, for the simple reason, because I think this summer is going to be massive. It's going to be huge in the goalkeeping department, the left-back department, and I think Rogers knows this within himself. Adamita to me is a stopgap. It's a stopgap because we didn't have a plan in place to get that striker in who we actually really wanted. If we're led to believe by the the, the PLC reports and the intern reports, they identified targets, but they could, couldn't get the deals over the line, whatever the case may be with the parent clubs. And you can probably guess there was a striker within that. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't take Alameda and I think Pons McNugget in here, maybe for £3 million and have him there as an option. Yeah, possibly, but to be brought in and to hang your hat on him, nah, it's too early for me. Because, as I said, I kind of contradict myself a bit. I like the impact he's having, but that impact can die off. Bernardo's impact has died off, and we were talking about signing him for £6 million. So, Nah, not not for me at the minute. That's that's what the stance is at the minute for Alameda on a permanent basis, anyway. What about yourself, Anthony? Then uh, taking on board what Stephen's saying that Adam Eda's Adam Eda's game could turn around and he might not be as influential. Would you want the club to be scouting somebody else, doing the homework properly, try and recruit another striker, so let's say in the six seven million pound bracket, and bring in somebody who who is ready made? Jackamaka's kind of stature and experience-wise, or would you push the ball out and get Adamida? For me, I think, just to add a wee bit onto what Stephen was saying with Norwich and not having the buy-now option, I think Norwich were dictating that more than us. And I do agree that Adamida was not our first-choice striker at all, but I do believe that he is a Rodgers kind of player and Rodgers is taking quite nicely to him. So if Rodgers wants him for next season, would you take him? Would you argue for him? Where, where do you sit with that kind of? Yeah, um, absolutely. And Stephen's making a, a, a few good points there as well. I mean, listen, that, that, yesterday afternoon, I was screaming where he wants his statue, let alone with a sign him. I'm sure you are. Himself into folklore. <laughs> um, you know, 
it, it nearly cost me two cats right enough because I think I gave the two of them um, a, a heart attack when the second goal went in. But um, no, listen, it, it's 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 bang on. And in terms of you know who who would we want going forward, um, I think James said it in the comments here that he's he's a type of player that, as we've already mentioned, that Rogers does traditionally tend to go for. He's big, he's athletic. And um, well, he's got an eye for goal as well, which is always um, useful. But he's absolutely not our, our first choice. I think it was, you know, it's pretty, it's not, a, you know, it's the worst kept secret that, that I think, I don't know how you pronounce it, is it, is it Fizz Martin? Or if that's his name from Bronby. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Danish guy. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems to be Brendan's number one choice. And by all accounts, the inquiry was made. Bronby are happy to sell, and it would be for, you know, I don't think it'd be just short air club rate. Right? I think they're, they're saying that was it eight million. The, the, the deal would be potentially a goer for in the summer, but there was no chance that they were selling them in January. So you're left with a conundrum there. Do you then go and spend? And Stephen's bang on, regardless of who comes in and who doesn't. There is going to be a big turnover of players in the summer and. I mean, certainly we've got everyone crossed that the players that come in this time are the guys that the manager wants. And, um, you know, I think we've got more than enough projects at, in, in the squad at the minute. So do you, do you, so going back to January, do you then splash out a, a fair chunk of money on someone that potentially is not going to be there um, or be part of the manager's plans going forward? So I think that's where, where he does... The, the, the arrangement that we ended up with Norwich has yep. suited everyone. It's an international player who's not getting regular game time. And of course, there is the whole romance, you know, the Irish centre forward playing for Celtic and, that, and all, all, all that jazz. But he's getting game time. We're getting, we're getting a template of the player that we want going forward. And... You know, and there's no object that we're under no obligation to buy. Norwich are in no obligation to sell, and it's very much across that bridge when we come to it in the summer. Now, listen, Stephen is correct. He's, he's came on. He's, he's he's had a big impact so far. He scored, um, you know, he scored two penalties in the one game, which is, uh, you know, that's been like witchcraft for Celtic this season. Um, a place where we hadn't actually won until. Um, a place we hadn't actually won until this year. And of course, he's came up um, with a good yesterday as well. So he's doing himself and his case no harm whatsoever. If if he was willing to stay, I would be happy to keep him at this current moment. But I wouldn't be happy with him being the, okay, we've got Ida and that's the striking department sorted. I would want someone more akin to what Brendan's looking for. And like I say, I don't know the first thing about this guy for Bronby, but it's a name that has been doing the rounds a lot more than, than, than any other player. And for what it gathers, Bronby are willing to sell in the summer. So that's the kind of player you're looking for. But if there's an option there to bring Ida in, you would then look, you would imagine that O would then be getting moved on. Then I would have no issue with that whatsoever. Sure. Um, and he does seem to have a hell of a lot of joy scoring for Celtic as well. You know, he, do, he doesn't look like he's up here taking the hump, you know, as if he, you know, he thinks he's better than this or, or anything like that. He seems to genuinely want to be here, which is always a good thing as well. 
See, the crazy thing is, right? You, you brought up O. I don't think, look, this, this may sound way off, right? Either to me, yes, he scored the goals, but we've seen O score similar goals. We've seen O make impacts mm-hmm. off the bench, even in European football. I think O is really explosive. explosive. He's dynamic. He, he, yeah. Again, he can hold the ball up very well. He, he's really quick over the ground. And if you finesse his game, then in the back of my mind, I'm going, why would Rodgers want to keep Ida? But then in the same token, if Rodgers fancied O, why would he bring Ida in? So there's, a, there's the, the actor of 50-50. Does he fancy him? Does he not? Does he want rid of him? I just think O is unfairly labelled as not good enough. First of all, no, we haven't no, seen no, him. No, no, I know you're not saying that. I know, I know, I know, yeah, I know you're not saying that, but I've seen people saying it. Like he gets labelled this, but we haven't had enough game time to see him. We haven't. He hasn't had a run of five or six games as being the number one striker to kind of put that label on him to stick. I, I think there's potential with him, and he, I mean, he wouldn't be getting called up for South Korea for nothing. On the, well, when Klinsman was there, and even though he's a bit part player for us, do you know what I mean? So there's something there with him, and I do want to see more of him. And at the moment, Ida, his form is stifling his development, which again, that happens when a, when a striker's on form. You can't tell him to be shite for a week so someone get a chance, do you know what I mean? But I think there, there's something there's something in him, and I think he's unfairly treated sometimes. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, mate. And I think, um, I think I've said that to, to, to you before. Obviously, and because it was the same tra- transfer window that one left and one came in, even although they're not the same type of player, there's always going to be that comparison is he as good as Jakimakis was but yeah, people people forget you know in Nanji's first season for a while Jakimakis was deemed a, a complete write-off you mean you forget that you know that penalty miss against Livingston but yes, and it the penalty for weeks on end um, there was actually a point where um, Albion Ayeti was getting in ahead of him in the Europa League games because but that's how down the pecking order it went but I mean you could argue lucky for him unlucky for however you know, destiny has its way of dealing with these things. But Kyogo got injured for a large chunk of the, you know, obviously with the, the January break, but the, the winter period going into the spring, yep. um, Kyogo had that injury. So it was a case of, well, it's on you, pal. And oh, the, the biggest credit you can ever give Yakimakis was that he took that chance, he ran with it, and by God, did he deliver the amount of big, big goals that he, that he came up against in, in those games. You think? specifically that hat-trick against Dundee where we were behind twice in the game or we were ahead and then Dundee pulled us back again and um, you know, although he didn't score against Rangers in the 3-0 game that night, he absolutely bullied the the, the Rangers defence to, sh- to shreds yep. and gave and his physicality doing that allowed the your, your Hatatis and your McGregors to do what they did best now Fortunately for us, probably as fans, Kyogo didn't have that run of injury um, last season. So O's never mm-hmm. really had that that run in the team. And I've said that a, a few times, I always think of the, the way that Mikey Johnson, the, one of the first things you always think of Mikey Johnson, and he's and, and, and you're, when you're asked to, to think about him is when he's one-on-one in a cup final into the Celtic end, that League Cup final day, with 10 minutes to go, we're hanging on, we're down to 10 men, and he's through on goal. He actually did most of the, the job right, and he puts it wide. And that's, for a lot of fans, that's the first thing they think of when they think of Mikey Johnson, maybe alongside the injuries as well. It's When you had that big moment, it, it didn't happen. Now, oh, 
got his chance at Ibrox um, in the in the dead rubber game, or the most important game if you listen to Ailey Barber. Um, but um, you forget Rangers scored quite early that day. Um, I think it was um, TikTok Todd um, got on the end of mm. um, a goal straight away. And then we kicked off, went up the park, Oh, did everything right, and he he, he done a, a tried like a sort of trick shot, and it went past the keeper, and it hit the outside of the post and went out. And I can I was watching the game in the Kerrydale at Celtic Park that day, and there was just a huge collective groan, and it was kind of a lot of people I think made their mind up on O that day that this guy just wasn't going to be a suitable replacement for for Gigi, and. I think he's always, even although he's then went and, you know, scored the goal that secured the title at Tynecastle and he scored a couple of, you know, match winners um, this season as well, because he's never had that prolonged run of games and his confidence is just, I think his confidence has been hampered with that. And the thing is, it's, it's, it's a shame for him, but this is... A massive club, and it's and it's ruthless. And if sometimes, sometimes you only get one chance or, or a couple of chances, and if you don't take them in the way that perhaps a Kyogo has, or to an extent the way that Adamida has coming up big moments, effective from the off, you can very quickly fall behind. And it's maybe it's maybe not through any real fault of his own that, like you say, Stephen, I think there's a lot of fans made up their mind on him. I certainly don't. I think there's there's definitely a talent there. You see how happy. Ange was when he got him. We got that deal over mm-hmm. the line. But I think that was the happiest we'd have actually ever seen him at a transfer. <laughs> Hi, for a um, he, he was very. He was delighted to get him in. But you know, you know that he's no longer in the building now. Um, and just as we say, what will be will be with him. But I think um, at the moment, certainly, um, he's very much third choice uh, behind uh, Adamida and Kyogo. And like you say, it's debatable who's first choice for Brendan at the moment as well. Yep. No, very much is. Um, moving the conversation on, I've got another two players I want to discuss. Um going to measure them together, just being a little bit mindful of the time and a couple more points that we want to get across as well. Don't worry about the uh, time, McGinty. You're fine. Work in the morning. <laughs> we can't all be lads of leisure like yourself, Stephen. <laughs> Hold um, on. I work as well. You can't say on. <laughs> Um, the two next the two next players I want to talk about is it's kind of the same vein that we've kind of been discussing there, but people taking a chance when it comes along. Um, who's the first choice? Who's not the first choice? Who his time went along too far? All these kind of things. I'm going to merge two of them together and try to keep them separate a little bit if we can. But Iwata, he started the game yesterday, mm-hmm. um, gets subbed off in the 77th minute. Did he play enough of a part? Keeping in mind two things. He played that first half. And uh, the second half, obviously, he was involved in the, the upturning performance as well. But he did get subbed off for Bernardo. The other one I want to talk about, if we can, a little bit, is Scales himself, Liam Scales. Has the balance slightly changed now? With Carter Vickers now back, he, he came on uh, as a sub yesterday as well. The Rockies had a few games now as well. Could we see Scales drifting backwards into a squad player? He's played pretty much every single game this season. Deserved all the plaudits he's got, I think. But overall, um, can we improve on, on Scales with the players who are already in the squad? And should we, going forward, give a water a chance? 
replace skills with Katabakas and or Navrocki. Stephen? Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, McGinty, you've started the thing in the comments. People laughed at me that the thought that I work. Yes, I do work. Okay. Full time, week after week. So, yeah, whatever McGinty tried to imply there, I'm not a man of leisure, put it like that. But um, I, I, th- I think um, for myself that Awada came in and he does what a number six does. He keeps it simple, keeps the ball ticking over. He reads the game really well. He's very athletic. I remember that was one of the reasons Pasta Coglu said he signed him. I'm from Japan because he had his eye on him and 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 I think it was a summer window, but he couldn't get him and he waited until the I think it was the January we brought him in. And I think for me that he me and Ross have spoken about this numerous times. He, he should be in that midfield as a number six with Kyle McNoreilly in front of him while Rio Watate is out injured. Hopefully again he'll be back soon. But I think a lot offers you that kind of protection. The, the security that you're missing. And yes, Calmac is a, a good number six, but he's never going to get stuck in. He's never going to, he, he's never going to, you know I mean, go shoulder to shoulder. Yes, we've seen it in fits and starts, but I think Tomoki has that kind of strength about him. He's robust. He likes a bit of a challenge. He's also very technical on the ball as well. And as I said, he can cover the ground really well. So I want to see more of him in the team. I found it interesting. I was listening to the people, um, the lads on Friday, talking about skills. And talking about the the, the Narosky situation, obviously with Carter Vickers coming back. And by the way, he made a big difference when he came onto the pitch. He brought that calmness, the experience. He's seen it right away. The, the, the defense calmed down. I said months back, and look, this is not me going back in hindsight, but I remember sitting, having a debate about bringing Narosky in and playing him alongside Kalmak and dropping skills. And at that moment in time, it was kind of put down because Liam Scales was in the form of his life, which is fair enough when you look back on it now. But I think for me, the my first choice would still be Carter Vickers and Narosky. I would just give him a chance, put him into the squad and see what can happen. The Liam Scales thing is a story. And again, like Anthony said, the cliche Irish man playing for a club of his dreams, coming from a, a small county in Ireland, making it, making the great Celtic is fantastic. And while he's made that great, he's, he's had some fantastic performances in the Champions League, in the league, in the Cups. I just think the last couple of weeks I've seen him take maybe an extra two or three touches on the ball, getting outpaced by um, players who wouldn't necessarily say are quick. And even against St. Mirren, that was it Muldron? Mal- Muldron or something they have up front? He, he turned like milk, but he made scales look like cottage cheese. He, he, do you know what I mean? It's, it, it was night and day, and he, he couldn't run. And he, same with Theo Burr. I thought he had him on toast, and you're right, the point of the, the first half, McGinty, the warning sign was there from the get-go when that offside going in. They were targeting that side all the time. When we pushed the full-backs forward, they were just going in behind, and they knew they had the, the, the beating of the centre-halves. And that includes Narosky as well, not, to be fair. But I think for me, I would just take Liam Scales out of the, the, the pressure cooker for a bit and see what Narosky can do but alongside Carter Vickers. What's the worst that can happen? We've paid upwards of £5 million pounds for, for Narosky. And he came from Lager Warsaw. He was the first choice there. He played against a, a Rogers Leicester in the Europa League. I think he won a league, a league title in Poland as well. So he's got experience. It's not as if you're you're trying to hang your hat on a young kid again like Skillsy. But yeah, I mean, does that mean Liam Skills drop, drops back onto the bench? Maybe. But again, that that's excellent squad depth, isn't it? Having a guy who's been exposed to the first team, played numerous games, played in Europe. You can call upon him anytime now. You know he's ready. He has the experience to do so. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Scales has had a drastic drop-off form. It's just we subtle things in Rodison. The first time pass he used to do, he's not really doing it as much. 
I think Narosky's really good at breaking the lines. Yes, sometimes the pass doesn't pay off, but he's being inventive. He, he's using his imagination, trying to get forward straight off the bat, that one-touch pass into the midfield for Kalmak to turn and, and play forward into the wingers or whatever it may be. I just think Liam Scales has become a wee bit more predictable and he's turning back on himself quite a lot. He's playing a simple pass to Welsh behind him and putting Welsh under pressure. So these wee things add up and maybe it's a confidence issue from conceding goals and, and things of that nature. But yeah, I would bring um, Naraki back into the pitcher and see what he can do in a Celtic shirt. Definitely. I think it's... When you think about the money spent and also Katavikas being the, the number one centre-back, if not one of the first names on the team sheet, you need to probably see the Naraki and Katavikas partnership to see what it can really do. Um, especially trying to hopefully look forward to next season as well because for me, Scales is not the answer long-term for improving the overall quality um, mm-hmm. especially with the starting 11 Stephen back sorry Anthony back to yourself with scales do you think it would be fair and reasonable to see him drop back into a squad player knowing that Cat is in the Rockies back in the picture now well I think sooner rather than later that's, go- that's going to happen anyway um, Anthony obviously be it's, as Stephen says out with O'Reilly scales is you know right up there for for the nomination for player of the year he's absolutely without question the story of the season um in terms of you know we were absolutely not expecting him to be able to put in the the kind of performances that he has on a a regular basis and he's been doing it since practically the start of the season Mm -hmm. but absolutely i think where i worry about him dropping him straight away is purely if if we had a fully fit carter vickers wouldn't have any issue with it but I, i don't know about you guys but i've got the same kind of you remember when Henrik came back and there was like any time he would sort of challenge him or if he would hobble or anything after going up for a ball, you know, there used to be that kind of silence around the ground going, oh, you know, just hope his leg's all right. Yeah. I think we've, we've been guilty of doing that with not just CCV, but, but Hatati as well this year. It's like that. Are they actually fully fit? And although it was great, you know, Carter Vickers came on yesterday, looked assured, then, you know, got nothing out, out the ordinary for him. But I just... Just not quite sure if, if he's absolutely 100% fit yet. And I would worry about then drop, taking scales out to put in a, to, or, you know, to put in a rocket play alongside a CCV who's not 100% fit. And then we go through this cycle again where he hobbles off and then we don't see him for another five, six weeks. So I think it might just be the case that perhaps through necessity that we might still have to see him until we get Carter Vickers fully back up fit. But absolutely, it's. It's been the story of the season so far, but you know we're we're painting the picture here that all's going to go well, and then next season we want Brendan to be allowed to bring in players that he wants to bring in, and I would imagine no matter how well he, but even if he goes back to the forum that he showed right at the start of the season between now and May, I still think there would be a hell of a lot of unrest if Liam Scales is starting next season as one of the two first choice centre half. So. And and, it, and it's just a shame. But again, as I go back to this, is a, a club that doesn't stand still or shouldn't stand still. And you know, I think Skills is terrific um, to have as a, a squad player and somebody to fill in. But I think he's he's filled in a lot this season. And, and credit to him for for the performances he's put in. Perhaps, as Stephen suggests, there is maybe just that the season's catching up with him a little bit. And perhaps there has been a few lapses to where there, there wasn't at the start. But definitely for going forward next season, no, I, I don't think he would be the, the first choice. So that 
that drop off into the squad role is going to come anyway. So if if we can have a fully fit CCV in the Vrocky, then possibly that's the way to go. Yeah, it probably is going forward anyway. Um, as you said, Anthony, it was a brilliant story. Um, oh, sorry, Stephen, you were saying it yourself. It's a brilliant story to to see Liam Scales come in this season, do fantastically mm-hmm. well at the start of the season. I think the stat was that he actually has played every single game, um, which is mental to think that he has. But going into the next season, the story should not be that Liam Scales starts as a centre-back. Um, unfortunately for Celtic, we've done this many, many times where guys like Liam Scales or <coughs> on his... Uh, has been our centre-back option in the, the qualifiers or the early stage of the season because we, we dilly on our, on our transfer deals far too often. But stories are going and stories are concerned. There's a, a story breaking just now. Well, we say breaking, it's not really, is it? About who's a good girl and who's a bad boy. Um, turns out that Rogers might be a bad boy for calling somebody a good girl. Who cares? What I want to know, though, is, is he right? He's made a couple of points already this last few weeks, especially just before the Kamarnock game, that Celtic have been on a great run of results up until the Kamarnock game. The narrative and the story being peddled by the media and from ourselves on this podcast, myself included, the performances have not been good and we've all been sitting on edge waiting for drop points and kind of waiting to burst and vent at the, the, the abysmal performances that we've been seeing on the pitch. Is Rogers right to kind of call that out a little bit to say that the narrative and story is wrong and that we as a club will write our own story because this season is not finished yet? Stephen? Yeah, I mean, uh, Dion comes in here with a fantastic comment. Uh, Stephen, both of us from the north of Ireland do not feel like good girl is a saying here, good man, good woman, etc. I think it's ridiculous this is being spun to something that's not. And I think that feeds into the, the whole narrative aspect of things that you were talking about there McGinty. We won a game, right? To keep this title race going, keep it healthy, keep two points behind within touch and distance. And the media want to create a storm and a teacup with Brendan Rogers instead of focusing on a good result at Fair Park. So they're deflecting from that. I listened to the the interview and was it Jane Park? Is that her name? The the reporter or something along them lines? I, I can't remember. Forgive me. But she kept asking him about the first half and he told her once, we're not talking about that, we're talking about the result. He then had to tell her a consecutive time, second time and a third time. So you can understand why he got a bit peeved off. Look that he said in a way that maybe came across a bit condescending, a bit patronizing. Yeah, but that yeah, but he was probably annoyed. He was probably frustrated at the line of questioning. At them was trying to the, the chip away, the Scottish media trying to chip away and get something a negative reaction out of him get him talking about transfers again, get him putting the Celtic board in the shit, just to get a headline to put in the papers instead of Celtic won a fair part, Alameda rescues a day, that type of headline, no, they want to focus on something totally different. It's, 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 um, you could go into this all day and, and Anthony, you'll, you'll have a far better kind of clear picture of what you want to say. I'm trying to muddle my words together here to, to create something because I'm, I'm afraid of saying something wrong that can make, make me land in the shit. But yeah, I think Dion's correct. Over in here in Ireland, we say good girl or good woman or good man, good lad, a, a lot. I say it in my workday. And yes, we'll have a laugh saying it as well, but it can be serious too. You can say it in a serious sentence. It doesn't mean you're sexist. It doesn't mean you're misogynistic or you have something against women. No, it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? And I've heard a lot of people say, and again, 
And most of these reports are coming from men, not from women. Most of the reports I'm seeing are coming from a certain section of supporters from another club. They keep putting it, putting it out there on Twitter, keep doing this, keep doing that. And I'm not really seeing anything from the, the, the women's side of things. Maybe I've missed it. Maybe I've missed the complaints, but no. And I don't think anything officials came from the BBC team at all. Look, maybe Rogers might want to reach out to the reporter and say, look, this is not how I meant, how I meant it to come across. Do it in private. I don't think you'll hear publicly from him about it. It'll be dealt in-house with the with both parties who were involved in that situation. And it wasn't a situation. Let's get that clear. It was a passing comment. He got a wee bit annoyed and he moved on. And I noticed as well in the, the pre-match uh, press conference at the BBC, he signed off by saying good man. So you can't have it one way and then you can't have it the other way. So again, it's let it go, move on. Celtic got a great win at Fair Park. The Scottish media are always going to try and throw shit at Celtic's door. And McGinty, you're right. Celtic need to write their own stories because this um, season is far from over. No, definitely. Uh, and I think as you explained it there and reading some of the comments about how you guys in the the, the northern part of Ireland, shall we see how you say these words and say these phrases to each other. It's, it's similar to, to anywhere else in the world where we all Dan have a Lewis. Yeah, we all have a little colloquial words I can't say. Way that we see things and our little things like I'll say, I don't know. We, we, the way we see things is just where you're brought up and who you're brought up with. Things don't mean always what they, they look like they mean at the same time. And as you said, he's he said it so many times to other interviews, good man. It's, it's a non-moment. He might have been... It might be standoff to her because of the line of question. As you, you said, she she asked the same question in different ways two or three times. And even at that last question, you was just blatantly, no, 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 we're not doing this. No, no, no. Okay, good girl. That's his finish. Go. There's nothing to it. He was, he was probably trying to be patronising and close it down, but he wasn't doing it in a sexist remark, which is perhaps backing up what Rogers is trying to say, that the narrative getting spun in the media especially is that Celtic are a disaster this season. And personally, performances, yes, have been abysmal. But results, as far as Rodgers has seen, as a manager of that squad, he's trying to get them focused on two, winning ways, get the next three points, build on what you can, move forward onto the next game. And it's really hard to do that if you're constantly asking those, being asked those same questions of, you know, how do you sum up performance that was lackluster, that you were, you know, struggling to to get the winning goal at the end or you had to hold on to, to the last 15 minutes and all the rest of it. It's the same narrative. We win 1-0 or 2-1, whatever. We're terrible. But the other side of the city, they win 1-0 and it's a great grounded out victory for potential champions. The, the, the story is different depending on what side you're on. And I don't like to talk about Hugh Cummins too much, but he says it quite often himself. You can't have one... Um, you can't have two being talked about positively in this city. One's good and one's failing, basically. And at this point in time in this season, it seems to be let's kick Celtic, let's make Celtic look like the ones who are failing. And the more that you kick us, and the more that they keep pushing this narrative, maybe it will turn out true. And it kind of is. But hopefully, as Rogers has said, and Anthony will get your point on it in a minute as well. Hopefully, we're now about to write the end of our story ourselves and take that second half performance from yesterday 
and move forward with a, a positive narrative going forward. Anthony, your take on the the saga as it is? Yeah, well, that's saying it's it's mountain out of a molehill doesn't even begin to to describe it. But we um, we had an unlikely ally today. I don't know if anyone heard it on on Talk Sport. Um, we had a an ally we would expect in Martin O'Neill, but we also had one in the uh, guy who's normally, when it comes to Celtic, a bit of a rent a gob in, in Simon Jordan. Jim White doing what Jim White does best, and you know, if there's a point to miss, he'll absolutely miss it. Um, was was making out basically not even just about the comment himself uh, itself, but the the whole way you know he was going. Why was Brendan getting um, sort of prickly about the, the the whole interview itself? Back to matters pre-match. Jane Lewis misquoted Celtic's, um, but Brendan Rodgers' remarks um, from the Friday press conference. So I think he was pissed off on that front from the start. If Jane Lewis is not aware of why he would say what he said in terms of, you know, we're not going there, there's a story being created, a narrative in the media, we're going to write our own story. If she doesn't know why he would be puzzled at the way Celtic have been covered this season. She's one of two things. She's either A, unbelievably incompetent at her job, or B, which I think is a more likely scenario, is that she knows exactly what she's doing and she's trying to do that thing that all journalists do, that rather than report facts, they report narrative and spin it as their version of the truth. And Brendan just wasn't playing ball yesterday. Um, take away the, the, the comment at the end, he's just going, I don't have to give you the time any more than the time of day than the minimum amount required. He has stood there, offered the opportunity for a range of questions to be asked. I don't think he would have any issue being asked about the first half. I think he's got an issue being asked about the first half, like you say, six or seven times. There's only so many ways you can answer the same question without remaining diplomatic about it. Um, But the way that, obviously, Jim White then went on to the day, and he asked Martin O'Neill about it. And Martin O'Neill summed it up perfectly. He says, no, the way that he's thinking that is, you guys, I mean, Chris Sutton was being asked on during the, the, the score programme on Saturday if he was conceding the title because Rangers were now five clear, despite the fact that we'd obviously still to play. And he obviously looked at the, the, the host like, like they'd just grown a second head. And rightly so. Rangers were never asked to concede a title at any point in this season. So why should we have to, just because we're suddenly a bit behind? And basically, Martin O'Neill said, and Jim White tried to almost hijack Martin O'Neill's comments and sort of say, why didn't he just answer it in the lovely Polish way Martin had just said? And Martin O'Neill pulled him right back up and he went, if I'd have been Brendan Rogers yesterday, I would have said it in the exact same way that he did. And of course, Perma Idiot White took, took great offence to that. And then, to be fair to him, Simon Jordan um, told him a new one as well, saying, the reason why managers across the board act like this around you guys is because you can't be trusted. You spin your own, no matter how how many times have we seen someone in a press conference say something and then it gets completely twisted and taken out of context so that these red top rags have got their headline the next day. And for, on the comment itself, for these groups like the Daily Star and the Daily Mail to suddenly get all offended on Jane Lewis's behalf is nothing short of laughable. The Daily Star trying to have a, 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 a try to take the moral high ground on women's rights. You know, if you, you really have seen it, do you know what I mean? The day we take more lessons on morality for the Daily Mail, you know, hell will freeze over. And um, 
But you know, like as, as Stephen says and as Dion says in the, in the chat as well, it's it's a term used in 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 in, in Ireland. You know, and you know that the North of England, you might say, you know, the Geordies will maybe use pet. As Scots sometimes say, you know, hen. But further down, it might be love. There's no there's no, there's no malice, but but behind it, it's not like he's you know he's not went full Joey Barton on her. Do you know what I mean? He's he's it's. Basically, it's just a, a phrase that, that those people use. And, you know, the amount of virtue signalling and getting offended on other people's behalf, as the boys were saying on Wednesday night, society's an absolute shambles now. And, um, you know, that, that's the first thing, sadly. Now, if you do a Google search on Brendan Rodgers, I'm sure that'll be the first thing now. Not that he's won so all these trophies at Celtic, not that he's, you know, won so many derbies, um, only lost one derby against Rangers in, you know, 15, 16 not that he's won a FA Cup with Leicester City. It'll be some, you know, blue-haired brigade nut job um, taking offence at a throwaway comment after a game of football. It's just, sadly, it's the world we live in, boys. But needless to say, as Plunge says, hopefully he'll just say it next time because that's he's got the luck of the Irish wheel. Yeah, see as well, like... Moving, <laughs> see as well, like, see if he did give uh, Jane Lewis a response. <clears throat> and for example, that, again... This is just kind of thrown it out there. If he said, yeah, first half we were lacklustre, they would pick that word out and make a headline being like, lacklustre Celtic, scrape a win at Fair Park as Rogers demands more. Something along them lines. Just one word can create a whole headline for people like that. And I understand why I get frustrated. And look, let's be fair here. Posta Cogley was far more specky with the reporters up here than, than Rogers has ever been. Rogers just said, good girl. That was it. And I think it's just time to put it in the bin and, and move forward. Yep. And put it in the bin and move forward is exactly what we're going to do, Stephen. And talk about our own narrative going forward. Just the last kind of topic for tonight, just before we round it off. Let's talk about the game slightly on Wednesday. I know we'll talk about it a lot more after the match on Wednesday. But what's your thinking, guys, for Wednesday? Stephen, yeah, you're a bit more positive now after yesterday's result. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't want to get too carried away and say we're going to win six or seven. I still think we need to find a rhythm. As I said, a consistent 90 minutes performance instead of one half diabolical and one half decent, if you understand what I mean. So we need to kind of put that picture together and move forward as a team. I'm confident with what I've seen in the second half, more because we looked like a team, we played like a team, we were egging each other on, we were celebrating as a team. No one looked like they couldn't be fucked. Let's be fair, it was just energy, energy, energy. And that's what I want to see carried into the Celtic Park against Dundee. And I know Dundee, they're indifferent this season. They always were going to be. I think their manager is Tony Doherty. He was the, the assistant to Derek McInnes for a long time at, at Aberdeen and, and Bristol City and, and teams like that. And he's got experience. I know they signed a few players. Um, I know they've got a connection with Burnley. They've got a few players on loan. They've also got the infamous back. Owen back is back at, at left back for Dundee, so it'll be quite interesting to see how he does it at Celtic Park to see if the, the kind of clamour form the command of Celtic was worth it. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to chilling out and doing a wee post-match reaction. As you said, Anthony, we'll be doing that on Wednesday night to replace the double pivot. It'll be, it'll be a good crack, hopefully, on the end of a good win. But the, the confidence is, is there. I take a lot from what I've seen in the second half. And like you said, McGinty, <laughs> you want to see the, the second half tactics in the first half as well. So if we're going to be direct, we're going to get balls into the box. We need to do that from the get-go. And then I think that's going to produce goals and a good team performance. 
And yourself, Anthony, how are you feeling going into Wednesday night's game? Ah, well, that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to going. It's first, you know, our first midweek game for for a wee while uh, since since you know this kind of Christmas period. So yeah, looking forward to heading along, mate. And as we say, here's just hoping that we we pick back up from how we did the second half on 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 Sunday. Um, you know, it's just about getting it. You know, Dundee have had a, a decent season so far, but. You know, the company park here, yeah, there should be a big crowd. Hopefully the, the crowd itself's also boiled on by by that performance mm. and just get behind the boys right for the word go and uh, I just get the business done and just send a message that, you know, we haven't gone away, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad neither of you actually put a score prediction in there by chance because we will get to that in a brief moment. What I do want from all three of us is... Um, a quick rundown. What do you think the lineup is going to be? Stephen, we'll go back to yourself first. Obviously, Adam Ida, Kyogo, the back line. There's there's lots of debates in Iwata possibly. What what way would you go with it? I would go Joe Hart and Gold, Alzer Johnson, Carter Vickers, Naroski, um, Taylor, um, Iwata in the six with McGregor, McGregor and O'Reilly, just in front. On the right hand side, I'll go Yang in the middle. I would go Adam Ida. On the left, I'll go Dyson Mieta. That's that's what my lineup would be, but I, I didn't really have any debates in my head in terms of Kyogo dropping out because can't we can't really say to either come on and score two goals and not get a game midweek. So I think he's going to at least start against Dundee. I know we've done that a lot with Jack and Marcus, but it might be different under Rogers. But yeah, I think Yang has to come in. Kuhn has looked like an empty jersey anytime he stepped onto the pitch while the goal he scored, and it was a deflected goal at that. So yeah, we need a bit of directness from Yang. I think Johnson without the mask. They can form up a, a good partnership on the right-hand side and Taylor's come back in and, again, had a great performance in, in the weekend there against Motherwell, kind of back to his usual self. So, yeah, that and Awada, again, is a number six to kind of provide that base of being solid and the foundation for the attack to kind of bounce off that. So that's where I would go. I'm going to jump in in front of Anthony just because my lineup would be almost exactly the same. But as much as I think Maeda had a, a good spell in the second half of the game yesterday, I've swapped Maeda for Palmer. But the rest of oh, it, with the rest of what you just said. Anthony, where do you I, sit with yeah, the lineup? I would actually say, actually, like yourself, I, I think Palmer will start because it's a, a, a home game. Um, wouldn't have any issue if, if Maeda does start, but I've got a sneaky feeling like yourself, Anthony. I think Palmer will start the game. Um, and I think at the back, I think he probably will stick with CCV and Scales. Um, but I think we might see a bit more in the Rocky as, as the season goes on. Whether that might be tomorrow night with the fact that, you know, like I say, it's a home game. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if he sticks with CCV and Scales either. But apart from that, my, my team is the same. Good. Yeah, I don't think we'll be too shocked. I think the, the, the biggest two changes I think we might see that Rogers would go with is probably Maeda and not playing Yang. I think the wings would be a bit different to what the three of us are probably trying to allude to. And I agree probably with Anthony, although I agree with Stephen personally, I think Rogers probably will stick with Scales and partner partner Mark yeah. with Captain Brickers. But I think I think going forward we should be looking at the Rocky uh, going in there. So another thing that we've been doing as a as a group, obviously, is this uh, weekly predictions that we're doing. And I'm just going to throw up the, the updated table that got eventually sorted this afternoon after a lot of uh, a lot of I wouldn't say hassle but a lot of backwards and forwards. Now as we can see at the top in nice green 
highlighted uh, letters as myself with 31 points. Uh, joint second is James. Fourth is Ross. Fifth is Gavin. Sixth is Willie. Anthony Dunn, you're down in seventh place on 19 points. Not a far way away. Uh, Franny equal with 19 points and Jed on nine points. Stephen, I've no idea where your name is there. I can't see you. Um, wow. No I can't believe you've done that. <laughs> I had no. a phenomenal Stephen score. A... 17, 17 points has took me up the joint first. I will take it every day of the week. You did indeed. The, the best result I think that any of us have had since we started doing this a few weeks ago. 17 points ran right up that table into, into joint third with myself and James, shall we say. Um, I'm going to try and bring these up in an order that will leave us three last on the predictions. But here's the guy's predictions for the upcoming week of games. Jed has went with County 1, St. Mern 2, Celtic 2, Dundee 0, Kelly 1, Rangers 3, Aberdeen 2, St. George 0, Hearts 2 0 against Hibs. That would be an interesting derby game. Livingston 1 each against Motherwell. James has went 2 0 St. Mern against the County. Apart from Miofsky, he's playing himself against St. Johnson and he's going to win 1 0. Uh, Celtic 2 0 against Dundee, Hearts 2 0 against Hibs. Again, similar result. Kelly 1 3 Rangers and Livingston 1 3, I believe that is, against Motherwell. Franny, same result again for Ross County St. Martin 2 0. 1 0 Aberdeen, 3 0 Celtic, Hearts 1 0 Hibs, Kilmarnock 1 each, but Rangers are actually very optimistic. And uh, a 2 0 uh, Motherwell win against Livingston. Ross is going with one each with County and St. Martin. That's a change. Go for a 3 0 win with Celtic and Dundee. One each with Kilmarnock and Rangers. Again, wishful thinking, I think, there. Aberdeen 2 0 St. Johnson. Hearts 2 0 Hibs. Livingston 1, Motherwell 3. Willie is going with Ross County one each. Have people just been copying and pasting each other's scorings here? <laughs> <laughs> Aberdeen 2 1 St. Johnson, Celtic 4 1 Dundee, Hearts 3 1 Hibs, Kamarnock 1 2 against Sefco. I think that's probably quite realistic, but I think they'll get more goals than that. Livingston, I believe, is 0 2 to Motherwell. Uh, if I've done this right, Gavin should be the last one before us three. And again, it's County 1, St. Mary 2, Aberdeen 2, St. Johnston 1, Celtic 3 1 against Dundee, Hearts 1 0 against Hibs. I think everybody's picking Hearts for that one. Kamarnock 0, Rangers 4, probably more realistic. Livingston 1, Motherwell 2. Stephen, we'll bring you up first. You're going with Ross County 1 each against St. Mary, Aberdeen 2 0 against St. Johnston, Celtic 3 0 against Dundee. Are you sticking with that? After tonight's yes, conversation. Stick, sticking with that, yes. Nice. Not that you're allowed to change it now anyway, but still. <laughs> um, Hearts 1-2 against Hibs. Oh, are you the first one to take Hibs over Hearts, I think? Uh, Rangers 4-1 against Kelly and a draw with Motherwell Livingston. Anthony, if I can find yours, there it is. Ross County 1-0, I think that's the first time we've seen a county win there. Aberdeen 2-0 against St. Johnson. Celtic 4-0 against Dundee. Hearts 2-0 against Hibs. Kelly 1-1 against Rangers. Again, very hopeful. Livingston 1 each against Motherwell. And I have no idea what I've put. 3-1 for St. Mirren. 2-1 for Aberdeen against St. Johnson. 4-0 for ourselves against Dundee. Hibs 2-1 against Hudson. I went for that one as well. And 4-0 uh, for Rangers. I think it's probably quite realistic. And just for the, the lulls, because I hate Livingston and I hate that plastic pitch, 7-0 for Motherwell. We can only but hope that they go down. A hundred percent. I agree with that one. The Gentry, they're a shambles of a club. They, they, do really, my are. they really are. 
So, boys, that brings us to the end of tonight. How did we feel? Stephen, thank you for joining us and helping out. That was a great podcast. Good. Unbelievable. Good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. What would I say? Obviously, shame Fanny um, couldn't make it. You know, it's the dodgy Wi-Fi. Hope it sorts out for his Google searches later, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but... Always a pleasure. Uh, shared the screen with Stephen as well. Um, that was a nice, re- nice wee change. So, yep, all, all good. Feeling good after a, a good one at the weekend and uh, more of the same on Wednesday night, boys. Oh, definitely more of the same indeed. It's a late kickoff. So, Stephen, remind us what time roughly would we be going live for the post match? Roughly about between 10 and quarter past 10, just depending. Excellent. So, be between that 15 minute time frame. And are we still calling it the, the cool down? Is that still it's, still co- it's not up for debate, McGinty. It's the cooldown. Well, <laughs> so, guys, thank you very much for joining us tonight on the, the Monday show. As Anthony says quite regularly, this is like the Monday Night Raw, the, the flagship show for the, the Indoor Celts. Um, that Friday Night Smackdown stuff is, you know, the lesser, of course. Uh, but if you've enjoyed tonight, hit the like button, hit subscribe, share it with all your friends and families, and hopefully we see you all with a good victory on Wednesday night on the cooldown. Here we go. Hey, well.